on Sagittarian Matters, we have advice on workaholism, an art career, seeing your ex at comics conventions, being timid in bed, and more. With my guest, Brandy Taylor. Stay tuned. Hello from New York City. I apologize. Today's episode is a day late. Producer Ponyo and I had a very long day at the Center for Cartoon Studies in White River Junction, Vermont, our old haunt in a place where we lived for a year. Now we are in New York getting ready for the Mocha Fest put on by Society of Illustrators, and we have a special advice episode with my guest, Brandy Taylor. Brandy Taylor is my favorite witch and birthday twin. She came to give advice this episode straight from her candle-making studio in Portland, Oregon. You can find Brandy, buy candles, and schedule an intuitive reading at magichourastrology.com. Brandy Lee Taylor. Welcome back to Sagittarian Matters. Thanks. Back on back on track. Back in the centaur saddle. Excited <laughs> to be here. You're one of my favorite centaurs to have in the saddle. I mean, I think that there's no no mystery there. Yeah, that's true. Um, Brandy, we are recording live from New York City and Portland, and Portland, Oregon, where I have snuck my dog into a pet-friendly hotel and <laughs> by putting her in a zipped-up suitcase. <laughs> and every time they want to, like, knock on the door to bring me something, I'm like, no, don't knock. I'll just hold the door open for half an hour waiting for you. Leave it by the door. Because <laughs> if they knock, she'll bark, and then they'll know she's here. It's the dog version of punk damage. It's dog damage. I just I looked at their website, and they're like, complimentary dog beds, poles. I just noticed there was kibble by the front door as I was sneaking her back in, and I was like, wait a minute. For concerned listeners, it is a dog suitcase, so she can breathe. It's not like... A hard old handled suitcase I just throw her in. Anyway, Brandy, you are here to help me with some advice. Great. And you are a Sagittarius whose birthday is December 10th. That's right. What's your moon and rising? Oh, I love this question. I'm a Leo moon and I'm a Gemini rising. Oh. I love to give my opinion to be right and also, I feel like I could answer a myriad of questions that I'm unqualified for. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I think that a certain amount of confidence and know-it-allness is required in the advice business. Like, look at Dr. Laura, my mentor. Too true. Or Susie Orman. They got no doubts. They got no doubts. Okay. How do I mentally deal with having to see my ex at every comics convention for the rest of my career? And the question is surrounded by little drawings of broken hearts. Oh, 
funny. I was saying it's kind of like living in Portland, Oregon and being gay where you see your ex at the grocery store every week. Whether you too want to true. or not. Yeah. Too true. And, you know, I think obviously you can speak to the comics convention part of it too. Maybe it's a different kind of microcosm of a world, of a world. But, you know, seeing your ex around all the time sucks. <laughs> and I would, um, you know, with this sort of situation, obviously you can't avoid being in the same room or convention center or whatever the fuck you're in. But, I would take the magical approach, which is to, um, before you go there, so get yourself, like, when you're getting ready to go, you're getting, like, think about yourself as, like, shining yourself up. You're just, like, you know, you, you're brushing your teeth. Your teeth look good. Your hair looks great. You got whatever favorite shirt on. You have all, like, your favorite, like, protective necklace or, like, whatever it is. You have all the things that make you feel so shiny, so good, so juicy, so awesome. And then you're basically, before you get there, going to put a circle up around you, right? And then fortify that circle with, like, whatever, like, your favorite color is. It could be, like, for me, it'd be, like, gold. So the whole circle is just, like, gold. Right? You're doing Which this is, like in your in the cab on the way there with your eyes closed. You're like imagining this circle or what? Well, I would do it before the house, so just, it doesn't take very long. Just before you leave the house, okay? Like, yeah, and it's like it's like or like a bubble, whatever you want to think. But it makes it so people are looking at you, and you're also just going to be like, you know, a joyful magnet for people at the convention because you want to do good, right? Mm-hmm. But also like you kind of have this like protective bubble around you. And then you're going to put up, like, just, and this is a a simple thing to do, just kind of imagine yourself putting up shields, Mm -hmm. putting up shields that have, um, putting up shields that have, uh, sorry, I'm losing the dog. Come here, Moon. Come on. Come here. Okay, starting over. Imagine yourself putting up shields that would just deflect any sort of, like, negative or um, weird, like, psych attack, or just, like, downer energy at you. So your golden bubble is also full of, like, cool shields that just kind of, like, nope, take that back. I'm not taking that on, right? And you, then I would go to the convention, and I actually think that you might not even see that person because you're, like, fortified, juiced up, also ready to engage with people on a different level and not having to sort of, like, deal with that person. So mm-hmm. I would do that magical sense. I love the idea of this person magically fortifying themselves before they even leave the house. Oh, yeah. 100%. I'm, I mean, personally, I've been going to conventions and things like this for so many years. And so, of course, there's exes there or people I dislike. And I just am unfailingly polite. I try my best to be unfailingly polite. So even if you're, you want to be like, you louse. My heart is broken. I'm cross with you, Laos. You're a cad. You know, Uh, that's not the time or place. You're at work. It's just like if you worked at the gas station, they came to the gas station, and and your boss was with you. You're just like, hi. Okay, cool. Have a great show. Bye. You know? And or your table mates, just, you know, make sure your your table mates have your back and so that they're not going to be like, making elongated small talk with your ex while you're standing there if they know it troubles you. 
Yeah. And also make some fun after convention plans. You can have something to look forward to at the end of the day, like a really good dinner or like something with your friends. And, you know, just I think a lot of ex run-ins are a bit of a drain. Um, And if that's the case, you just like, you know, think about that as like, do you want to be drained for the rest of your day? Not really. So I would probably avoid that person. And if you felt called to go interact with them, I would do it at the end of the day. And you have something to look forward to, like having lunch or having dinner with your friends. Yeah. So you have like a book of good stuff. Just really, really good stuff. And don't be afraid. A lot of times when people go to these conventions, they're like out of town. So they're with a pack of people who they're staying with or who are their ride or something. If your friends are doing something that doesn't seem fun to you because it's in proximity to your ex, cut them free. If they like are like, we want to go to karaoke and you know that person's going to be there and it's going to damage your bubble or, you know, dent your bubble. Just be like, okay, you guys go. I'm going to like go take a cab to the movies or, you know home or I'm going to go see some other friend and just let them be. Don't make it a big thing. It's not a big thing. And make, do your own. If you need, you know, don't, don't get stuck in a place. You're never stuck in a place. If you need to leave, if you need to take a walk, if you need a breather, just do it. Yeah. And also just remember your ex probably feels uncomfortable too. So they're not like a infallible person. They probably feel awkward, insecure, whatever else. So if that's how you're feeling, like, you know, having a little bit of like, okay, I'm not alone in this. This person's also probably feeling the exact same way. Yeah, that's why you guys like each other for a reason. You have something in common. Um, what does Latrice Royale say? Like, get peop- if people are bugging, like, get up, look sickening, and make them eat it. Like, it's essentially yeah. a success is the best revenge kind of thing. Like, you being happy and not being a drama queen is the best thing you could do. Agreed. Do you hear this very authentic New York siren sound? Yeah, it actually kind of sounds like a Euro siren. It does sound like a Euro siren. What is it? I don't know. At least I'm not in Brooklyn because last time I was doing a podcast taping there, I swear to God, like 50 garbage trucks were just like gunning it up and down the streets of bed directly outside of the window. Okay. Um, Dear Brandy and Nicole, I'm queer. In my 20s and in a non-monogamous relationship with my partner of a few years. We've been having great sex for a long time now, but there are times when we go weeks without any intimacy. I was sexually assaulted at a young age and feel like that may contribute to my struggle with initiating sex and going outside my comfort zone when it comes to telling my partner about my sexual needs or things that I want us to try. Any advice for someone who wants to be less timid in bed? Mm. I'm, I'm well go ahead yes riff on this Sorry. i'm gonna say like well, kudos for you for even writing this advice question you got like uh you know a lot going on a survivor who's in a non-monogamous also sexually active um relationship it sounds pretty happy in general good job you're already winning <laughs> in my book um and, you know, I, I think if, like, really, if you want to be less timid, it sounds like the abuse stuff is still um, influencing. Or maybe it's, like, something that you're using about, like, maybe that's why you're not as um, um, forthcoming or not as, like, initiatory in bed. Like, that's 
if that's the reason, like I maybe would just, I understand wanting to be less timid, but I maybe would kind of uncover or investigate you know, I know you're in your twenties, like do some, I'm sure you're doing something, but maybe un- investigate why the timid is happening. I would maybe go to the root of that because, um, that seems like the most like loving and careful thing you could do with yourself. Um, just so you're making sure that you're, you know, where your boundaries are and you know why the timid is even coming up in the first place. Um, and if you've done that work or if you're on the other side of that and you just like your default is just timid, um, and, you know, I think the only thing to really do to break out of the timidness, if that is what you want to do, is really to, like, incorporate a lot of fun into what you're doing. So I would go the fun route. So I would, you know, like, organize with your partner, like, this is where we're going to have fun and just, like, name it from the very beginning. So neither of you think that it's, like, some, like, serious situation. And then once you have said, like, we're going to have fun, I want to try this or let's try this. And there's, there's kind of like improv. It's just like a yes and situation. Mm-hmm. And as long as the person is, you're not crossing consent boundaries, like, you know, and you already know that because this is your partner that, you know, you're in a relationship with and you're building something with, then try the yes and. And even if it feels like, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be into that or. Will you explain yes and for people that don't know improv? Um. So if I said, if Nicole and I were in bed, I'd be like, uh-huh. Nicole, I want to try something new. Um, is it okay if I cover, um, you know, your butt with chocolate sauce? Yes, and, and then- more. <laughs> and then I'm going to put whipped cream on it. That's cool, right? On my butt. Yes. Right. The yes, and. And then I would also um, then go for... Like, maybe I'd say, like, oh, and I think you need to be wearing a clown nose. Got it. And, and then, then maybe what, what would you be doing? If I say yes, and then I say, you say yes, and. And I'm going to put on a squirting flower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And. And you're also going to worship my giant clown shoes. <laughs> <laughs> this is fun. This is fun, right? <laughs> I mean, you don't have to go with splashing and clowning. You can do something else. But. You know, it could also just be like you're just building off of it. And for you just being like open to experimentation and exploring without setting it up so you're not, it's not really serious in the very beginning. You can just sort of be like, we're playing right now, you know, mm-hmm. where this is about play and this is about experimentation. And like, if you can do that, let me tell you, you're like worlds, you're doing, you're moving some mountains because that is already really challenging to do. And also, it sounds like um, it could also be really helpful and be also uh, like the 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 timid part just maybe is like, I just want to reiterate, like, is the timid part scared? If it's scared, then figure out what you're scared of first, figuring that out before you're in the yes and improv fun zone Mm -hmm. is what I would do. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting because to me, I would think that the more that you are able to talk about what you want, the more in control you are and the more you're redirecting your sexual story of your life instead of um, being a part of what other people want, you -hmm. know, which is probably what got you into a bad place, you know, a long time ago. So... I just, I love the idea of you write, rewriting, starting to write your own sexual story. 
and kind of once you say those things, you generally, it rips the bandaid off for you to say them once. You know, when you're like, I want you to put a tote bag over my head or, you know, whatever. Like you say it the one time and you're like, they're going to think I'm so gross. And then you say it and they're like, okay, who cares? Sure. Whatever. And then you get to have sex with a tote bag on your head for the rest of your life if you so choose. (laughs) (laughs) You know, all you have to do is just point over at the tote bag that's hanging on the doorknob. And they'll be like, oh, I remember. Yes, and. So what a great opportunity for you to rewrite your sexual story. That's what I think. And I like Brandy's idea also about being gentle with yourself and giving yourself kudos where kudos are due for even being, for even showing up, being able to show up to this kind of relationship. Yeah. And, you know, like timid, the word timid, I guess I'm just kind of hooked on the timid part. Uh Because if timid is the quote unquote problem or the thing that you want, you know, the question here, like, if Tim is Tim, Tim, it also could just be like out of ideas, mm. you know, Tim, it could be like, I don't even know what to ask for. So I, you know, and if that's the case, you got a wealth of things to watch or read or learn about. And like, you know, it's really fun to be able to just like, even to like read like an erotica story or something or watch a thing and just try to insert yourself in that. And like, how would I be in that scenario? How would I, would I say in that situation? Just to kind of like see yourself in something different might give you some more ideas also and um, get your motor running. I feel like such a nerd because I'm like, read some books, read some sexy books. <laughs> Cause you, I mean, you know, everyone, I feel like everyone's like, you know, your default is like, Oh, well watch porn, which like, of course, you know, tremendous. Great. But I also, I feel like I got a lot in my twenties. My mind got shaped a lot by reading different books. Lots of different books of people with lots of different genders and persuasions and just seeing what scenarios, what kinds of people did I like thinking about in my mind's eye and then seeing how I could then take that into the the sex space. Leather daddy and the femme. Let's be real. What's the, where, what is that? What is that? Like Pat Pat Califia books. Oh, I was thinking about Pat Califia's book, Macho Sluts. Oh, yeah, exactly. Same, same. You know, you're just like, ooh, ooh. That that is actually like, those are some of the stories that I still will kind of drum up, you know? Also, because you can insert yourself into those scenarios if you wish. A lot better than if you're just like watching a porn. Well, because a porn is so specific. It's like reading a book. Yeah, you can make the main character you. Um, It's kind of like, this is for the comic nerds. Scott McCloud says, the more simple a drawing is, the more people can project on it. So, like, humans will turn anything into a face. Like, a human will look at an electrical socket and see eyes and a mouth or eyes and a nose and, like, project a, a thing onto that. That's kind of how I feel that between watching porn, which is so specific. You know, it's like if you draw a photorealistic graphic novel, people are like, oh, these are the characters. They are not me. They are these characters that exist. But if you draw something more simple, like in Mouse, where he has these very simple drawings of mice that you can project anything onto, you can really see yourself in them, and then the story means more to you. Mm. So that's... I'm just applying that to porn. I, 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 I'm going to say, I think that that Scott McCloud teaching has never been applied to pornography. I'm just going to go on a limb and say that. I mean, Brandy, you've probably heard it said a lot, but I just have never... Yeah, you know... <laughs> Blazing new trails, right and left. Comics theory. 
plus uh, getting less timid about sex on Sagittarian matters. <laughs> Any other advice for this person? Um, oh, I want to say something. Also, you're in your 20s. You're going to get less timid with sex. Yeah. News, news, newsflash. You're probably going to get a lot less timid with sex. You're in your 20s. You're doing it all. You got a non-monogamous person. You're like having sex once a week. You're doing pretty good. And the timidness is also going to just kind of develop as you grow into your person. And as you like mature and age and get, you know, better like a fine wine. You know, also though, like don't feel pressure to be kinky. You might just not be kinky. So you might right now be like, oh, I have to get more creative with sex. Or I have to, you know, I have to, I, maybe you're in a love, maybe you love being non-monogamous. But I remember in my early 20s, there were a lot of people around me that seemed more experienced and more kinky and more open to different kinds of relationship styles. And I remember getting shoehorned into different situations just to try and not seem like a square than I was actually comfortable with. But I had to learn mm-hmm. that the hard way. You know, like non-monogamy can be fantastic, but uh, you know, there's certain cultures, especially in queer culture, where people are like, don't be a square, you have to be polyamorous or you're trash. And you're like, all right, I'm cool, man, I'm free. Look how free I am. And then, you know, you might not actually wanna do that and it's okay. It's, it's, it's cool to be square. I'm not gonna say it's hip to be square. But if you're a square, be a square. <laughs> Not to be a Seinfeld, but have you ever noticed that I never try to sell you Blue Apron on the podcast? Or that we do not disparage and bemoan trips to the post office in favor of stamps.com? Well, it is because we have no advertisers. Zero. Producer Chris, producer Ponyo, and myself do this out of the goodness of our hearts because we like it. If you would like to tip producer Chris Sutton, who dedicates hours to this series every week, Please, 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 please send your tip of $5, $10, who knows how much. That's your business via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. That is hornet, like the insect, leg, like one of his appendages, at gmail.com. If you do this, we will read your name on the podcast. Isn't that exciting? We may have advertisers someday and we'll rant and rave about free sex toys and mattresses and blue apron and whatever but in the meantime thank you we appreciate your support and i look forward to saying your name on the podcast producer ponyo looks forward to it too that was ponyo's voice don't be scared bye thank you this week to saya from boulder and beth delaney dear sagittarian matters have you ever felt whether have you ever felt whether it was true or not that you've had to choose between your career and your relationship? If so, how did you handle it? Um, this person is probably a cartoonist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I should say, you and I are both self-employed. Yeah, we're both self-employed, and also there's not really a clear um, there's no clear division really between my work and my personal life. They have a lot of um, interweavings, um, so I don't like clock in and out and then be like, "This is my work. This is a work brand, and that's you know home brand." It's not like that. So um, just putting that out there. So I think that you know how how I would really deal with that is 
I would just really be clear about your boundaries and about like the things that you, the qualities of the work that you um, do. And also be really honest about like how long your process takes, what this looks like, um, timing wise, like what you have to give in a relationship. And then checking with the other person and see, does that align with what they want and need? Is, is that person asking a reasonable thing from you to be in a relationship? Or is that person potentially like, maybe that person wants to hang out with you every single day. And that's not going to be something that you can be able to show up for. Well, then being really honest about that and seeing if there's a way where you could come together or you might just not be compatible in those ways. And, um, you know, I also think that if you're passionate about what you're doing and this is something that's like your life's work, like being an artist or, you know, doing something that really feel, fills you up and you can't really not do, then you, you know, there really is no decision there. The relationship will have to support and feed you and your work and your work will have to support and feed the relationship that's right and fits within what you're doing. Um, but yeah, I just think really that's about about really a boundary question and figuring out like how the how your life balance, your work life balance is, and if it feels good to you, being able to communicate that really well. And if it doesn't feel good to you, make some more room for dates or make some more room for things like a relationship. But just being able to be like, if you come to the table and you're like, I like to hang out three days a week, and the other person is like, I I want to stare soul stare into your eyes every single day for twenty four hours, that's not very compatible. So just being able to like kind of sobering look at like where you're at and you know, your work is, if it sounds like your work is a priority and it's, if you're an artist, you can't not do that work. So you wouldn't be a good person to be in a relationship with if you were unfulfilled. So think about where, what you need for your heart's desire and mm -hmm. really be able to put that in the forefront. Yeah. As, as an artist, I appreciate all of that. And I also feel like as an artist, you need a certain amount or I need a certain amount of spaciousness in order to have new ideas and to feel good about the work I'm doing. And if I don't budget that spaciousness in, um, then I will resent whatever I'm doing. That's not that. You know, like if I want to clock in at four and then I know that I'm not going to get to like really start drawing hardcore until six and then someone is like, great, let's run the clock until 5.55, then I'm going to be a less balanced dog or a little bit stressed out. Um, this question, you know, I want to ask you, Brandy, what your feelings are about workaholism, because in a, a previous iteration, when we answered this question and then the heater blared on, you mentioned having workaholic tendencies, which I and probably every other cartoonist I know also inhabits. So, yeah. I mean, that's the thing that's like, I mean, I I work, I'm definitely a workaholic. I've worked in the past, like, multiple jobs for long stints of time. Now I have, like, a multi-layered or varied job for myself for years, and it feels great. But, you know, I really get, I'm excited about working. I would work every single day. And so, and I also have a to-do list that really is never all crossed off. So... The thing with me is like, I actually have to kind of force myself to not work and to be able to have more balance. And I just kind of think about myself like, hey, I've been out here or I've been in my studio for eight hours. Like, okay, <laughs> I need to be able to like 
take a break or go walk the dog, make the dinner, hang out with my partner, like, you know, whatever that kind of looks like. I have to kind of like make myself have those boundaries or else if I was single, I think I would just keep working, which is not great (laughs) because then what happens is your well is not full of the other things that you need to fill it up with. And, you know, a lot of times you start resenting your job or you, you know, things other come up or, you know, then it just feels like you're in the same mundane or whatever it is. And your work will then take that hit. So being able to have some balance and get like your equilibrium, you know, back on track with having some fun. You know, if I'm in the studio all day, like for me, like I have to go take a long walk with the dog. Like I have to be outside, you know, things like that. Like that's actually feeding not just my work life, but the rest of my life too. And it is helpful for me to have somebody who's like, knock, knock, are you going to come in? (laughs) You know, like, are you, do you want to like have dinner or whatever? Like I actually have to build those things into my day and say like, okay, like I'm committing to doing, like I can make dinner this day and this day. And then I also have to build into my day flexible time. So, which is challenging, but that's a thing that in even whole days where it's just like a, a flexible, like go with the flow day. Um, because that's not how my normal workaholism manifests. Usually it's pretty regimented. Mm-hmm. And if I can have like a Sunday that I just do it to be like, okay, well, it's, it is literally scheduled, which is, I know, kind of challenging, but then it's just like, maybe I want to go for a walk. Maybe I want to go dr- for, you know, drive to the gorge or go to the market or whatever it is, go to the movies. Like I can do kind of whatever I want to do, but I had to add those in there because I was not having as much fun and I missed having fun. So it's, you, you know, you got to kind of like, just think about like, really, I think about how balanced can my day be? Mm-hmm. And then I make choices to maintain that balance. Yeah. I, you know, as a cartoonist, I, I used to like, I would really beat myself up if I didn't sit down at my desk before 4 PM I was like, you're such a fucking loser. What are you doing all day? You're wasting your life. And then at a certain point, I was like, you know what? What if four o'clock was the actual time when you clocked in and anything you did before four o'clock was okay? Or what if six o'clock PM is the actual time you clock in and everything you do before then is okay? So if you sit around on Facebook, if you go to the grocery store, if you go for a hike, if you have lunch with a friend, whatever, do all those things figure it out, and then you clock in at 6, and that's actually when you're supposed to be at work. So you don't need to give yourself a hard time for not clocking in at 10 a.m. You're just clocking in when you're supposed to, and then you're doing the work. And that was helpful because actually now I can, like, meet friends for a hike or lunch and then take a nap and do all the human things that feed me. And then by the time I sit down to work, I'm, like, excited. But that was just me working with my circadian rhythm. Um, But I want to say to this person also, like, I was in a relationship when I was doing Calling Dr. Laura, which was very laborious, but we, and I had like 16 jobs plus Calling Dr. Laura, and we would schedule Saturday dates, which is kind of like you were saying your flex day. But you know, so like if I saw this person on other days when I was working and I was like minorly still thinking about it, that was one thing, but you know, Saturday dates or Sundays, we would know that we had like the full 24 hours together. So then we could reconnect before going into the next week. Um, so I haven't actually had to choose between my career and my relationships. You know, definitely when I was finishing Fetch, there wasn't room. I just didn't have the bandwidth for a serious relationship. When I was finishing a book and in the final throes of it, 
if I had already been in a relationship, I wouldn't have thrown it away. But I was not like ready to be a human with somebody when I was finishing inking that book because it was I was doing it every day while I had other jobs and it was I was tapped out. At the end of that, I needed to go cuddle the dog and like watch TV and take a nap, and that was it. Brandy, do you have any other? I mean, the other advice question we have is about lyrics, which makes me think I should ask a musician. Mm-hmm. But do you have any other general advice for people about sex or work or <laughs> this particular season astrologically? Um, I think that uh, we're just we're, well, we're we are kind of in a, a bit of a crunch astrologically. I think the rest of the summer is going to be a little bit of a crunch. What do you mean a crunch? Uh, a uh, we just have a lot of planets retrograde. We have some outer planets retrograde, Saturn's retrograde all all summer. Like it's just like when that happens, it's a lot of like old shit coming up, stuff that was already thought you had already dealt with or was resolved, or just makes things like a little bit harder. Like point A to point B is just like a little more challenging to get to. So like I think my main advice just for this season or you know, for the, for the next few months is just to be like flexible with yourself. And if you're not a flexible person, really try to adopt some like adaptability, um, in ways that you feel like you can, um, because the more sort of rigid that we are, or the more, um, critical that we are on ourselves, um, it's not going to be really helpful when like the collective as a whole is all kind of feeling this crunch. Um, it's better if we can sort of just kind of work with our flow, our inner flow to be able to, um, you know, just kind of ride this wave, honestly. And, um, yeah, I've been telling lots of my clients that too. It's just, I mean, I also think like flexible, fun summer is what we all want to do, but a lot of times people, it's really challenging to do so. So this summer might also be very challenging to do so. September's going to be great. Is it? <laughs> we got to go through that. Yeah. You don't think the world's going to end, do you? No, 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 no. It's not like this. Not there's no 2012 situation. It's just a challenge. This is a bit of a challenge, and especially if you have, you know, lots of people are getting hitting having this hit more than others. But um, you could get in a reading from someone that you love and trust, or look up your chart and kind of like follow along. There's tons of awesome astrologers. There's tons of horoscopes to read. Find one that resonates with you and just kind of follow along what your what your stars have to tell you this summer, because um, just knowing how to navigate that and having some um, tools under your belt, is going to be really helpful. And especially when I mean, I, I do think that like the collective is going through it. I do think we have more things to really kind of uncover. And I do think like, you know, as far as like politically, and things like that, it does feel like it will probably get worse. But it is how how are we going to be, how are we going to navigate that for ourselves? How are we going to, like, protect each other? How are we going to really move towards, like, the collective liberation and, like, a healed world that we want to see? That's what you want to put your stock into. So that's why I want people to get those readings or to look, look up their charts and just kind of see how it resonates with them. Cool. Thanks, Brandy.
Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton, with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.